Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 32, Managing Rejection, Finding Creative Projects, and UFOs. So thanks again for dropping in for another week. I hope everything's going well for you. I know things are very different for all of us. And so that impacts our time and availability with everything that we're doing, and that impacts our creative projects. But I just wanted to thank you for tuning in and for listening and sharing my journey as I continue uh, with my creative endeavors. If you're enjoying this podcast, uh, I would appreciate a review on iTunes. If you know somebody that you think would benefit from this episode or any of the previous episodes, it would be great if you could share it with them. I think others would find some value in some of what we talk about here, and I would be very appreciative if you could uh, share the show and uh, have more people uh, discover it. That would be fantastic. So I don't have a guest this week. I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of touch on a few things, and uh, back next week, or next episode, I should say, with a uh, another guest. But I wanted to uh, highlight a few things. The first thing is is rejection. It's Personal rejection, because I uh, I had submitted a couple of pieces of work for a competition. I submitted two graphite pieces I had done, and um, I didn't make the cut. And so I thought they were really good pieces. I'll provide links to them. One was a couple of um, monarch butterflies on a, a echinacea plant, and the other was a chickadee. And I thought they were pretty good, but uh, they didn't make it, so that's okay. And I say that because I'm trying to keep telling myself it's okay. I, you know, I, I went in thinking they're pretty good. I thought, you know, I'm not going to submit. There was a small fee. I'm not going to submit this kind of stuff expecting to lose or to not be judged worthy <laughs> or to not win. But, you know, I went in thinking, you know, if if I if I don't do well at this, uh, th- it's okay. It's my first time doing this. Uh, you need to start somewhere. And so I went in with that attitude. So I wasn't surprised with the outcome. I think I submitted, I think I did the best work I could at the time. And I submitted what I thought was, you know, some of my better pieces. You know, you, you go in thinking more, I, I think we have higher expectations of ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we have lower expectations. I thought I went in thinking, you know, maybe because I'm submitting two, maybe one could make it. And I don't think I was necessarily increasing the odds. I just, I had trouble picking between both pieces, so I submitted both. And, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I think if I would have gotten in, maybe that wouldn't have been as good. Uh, I, I always believe that life is about contrast. So, you know, by not making it, <laughs> I've increased that contrast now between at some point making it and getting judged as being uh, um an entrant or a, a top entrant or finalist, I should say. So, you know, I'm establishing that a contrast. I, I think that's good. I think that's fine. I'm going to do this again. It hasn't kind of, it, it hasn't really impacted my creativity. I think that whether I was a finalist or not really doesn't have an impact on the piece itself. You know, they came from a lot of hard work. They came from the heart. I, I, I did these pieces with a specific intent and it wasn't to compete. So this has no impact on that. And I think, you know, I hear some artists talking about that and they feel that, you know, they are not as good an artist because the piece that they thought was great did not being great or, or, or wasn't judged to be as great as they thought by others, by their peers. And I, I think it's a bit 
difficult. This can be hard, uh, especially with this kind of competition where you submit it, and if you hear nothing, you didn't make it. And so you're not even getting constructive feedback. And that's just the nature of these things. And it's okay. I knew that going in. But it is still a challenge. It's something that, um, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm okay with now, but it does, I think, confirm for me that I should be doing this and I enjoy doing this. And, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets having done it. I, I think that if I do it next year, it'll be because there is a piece or two that, you know, that I felt other people maybe would see as being worthy in this kind of competition. Um, and maybe worthy is the wrong word. Uh, maybe appropriate for being a finalist in the competition. Because, I, you know, it is my art. And it's, it's the art I wanted to draw at the time. It meant something to me. It still does. And, you know, the reason I do this is ultimately for me, right? I do it. I, I do these pieces. I do these drawings and paintings. And I spend this time for me. I feel the creativity is inside me, bubbling, wanting to get out. I feel like I can tell a different story. I feel like people, you know, get some joy and enjoyment out of seeing some of the work that I do. And whether that those people be on Instagram, whether it be family or friends or commissions I do, you know, th- that's that's who I serve. That's who I want to share my work with. And... You know, these competitions are a bit offshoots from that. You know, there could have been notoriety around it and all that. That's cool, right? Like, you know, it will come, but I don't want that to influence what I'm doing. And I'm, it is hard fighting against that. It is, it's hard thinking, you know, I could, I don't know what I could do differently, but I know I will do better next time. And so that's the challenge with all this is I'm just going to do, keep doing my art. I'm going to keep pushing myself. I'm going to try new mediums. And we'll see what comes to this. I, you know, I'm not going to stop, but I just wanted to share the rejection um, because I, I don't think people openly talk about this. I, I don't know how many times artists submit their work for this kind of stuff. So I don't know what an acceptable rejection rate is. But I just wanted to share my experience. It's my first time doing it, and I didn't make the cut, and that's okay because I love my art. I love doing it. And I love seeing your work, and I don't want you to stop sharing what you're doing because you submitted it somewhere and it didn't make the cut. And it could be a competition, it could be, you know, using a hashtag that you know somebody uses as a, a way to feature certain art. Your your art doesn't make it, or you just don't get all the likes that you expect with one piece on Instagram, for example. It it doesn't affect the quality of the piece that you did, and um, you know we're all in this together. And we'll get there. I just wanted to uh, kind of share my experience and say, you know, it's it's all good. I'm uh, I'm happy I went through that. I think it's going to make me a better artist as we go into uh, 2020, to the end of 2020 and into 2021. So I wanted to talk about a couple of creative projects. The first is something called the uh, the Sketchbook Project, and this is uh, put on by the Brooklyn Library, which is a nonprofit organization. And basically the intent with this, you know, simply is that you buy from them a sketchbook that has 16 pages, double-sided, and you fill them up with your art, and then you send back the book. 
And what they do then, depending on whether you've paid for the standard edition or the digitized edition, is they will take those works and put them in a bit of a time capsule. Uh, if you choose to have it digitized, then it becomes part of a large catalog online. Uh, they do do this um, these kind of roadshows where they bring the art around and show it to other people. And they're trying to encourage kind of creative storytelling, right? So what I would... Uh, recommend is actually just going to the site and going to their search uh, feature and just you know type in some keywords type in an artist uh, you can choose their existing themes but just explore it and I, I'm really intrigued by this uh, I think I'm going to do it um, there is there are deadlines for the year so if you order by November 14th of 2020 and return it by February 15th of 2021 you'll be in the next kind of batch and I guess when you get it digitized, it'll tell you how many people have viewed your work. You'll get a message or whatever the case. I think this would be, if you've got an artist in your life, this is a great gift idea because it's something like $30 US for the standard and $65 for the digitized uh, version. So when they receive your uh, journal back, they will digitize it. I think this is a great gift idea because it encourages that sense of, you know, doing something it's you know 16 pages double-sided so you know 32 pieces possibly but it could be that you do it on both sides and i've seen some of the work i've seen some of that happen i i just think this is a really cool idea and you know you're giving your artwork away into this but it's really contributing to this this kind of uh effort to do this creative storytelling and when you look at some of these books some of them are based around a trip to a national park or around a specific theme. So I haven't actually ordered one of these books, so I haven't seen them. But um, when I'm reading through it, they do, I guess, supply a theme or themes to you that you can choose to do, uh, but you don't have to. And so you can go on your own merry way and, and use it for what you want. I, I think this is great. I think the idea that you could do some of this, I think they're open for the media that you want to choose. So if you want to use graphite or a bit of watercolor or pencil, colored pencil, whatever the case, I think they're against things like acrylic in that. I think they're concerned about the pages sticking to one another. But um, it's fairly straightforward, and I think it's uh, it's a really cool idea. And they also have now this 28-day uh, challenge, which is uh, you sign up for it, and you get a creative prompt every uh, for, the I guess, the next 28 days, and you donate what you can afford to this endeavor. So, you know, it's not for profit, so they're trying to generate funds. But I think that's a great idea if you're kind of stuck in a rut, you need some creative ideas, maybe just doing the 28-day challenge would be good. If not, maybe signing up and getting one of these sketchbooks. I think I'm going to do this. I think it's going to fall right after the next thing I'm going to talk about. And it's not heavy, so I could probably fit it in with my, my day job and everything else that I do. Um, I, I, I think it'd be kind of fun. Leave your mark on the world in, in a very small way and it may force you down a little journey that could generate something, you know, that could become something else. It could generate some work for you. It could just bring you down a path that you didn't think you would travel. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. And I'm going to talk about that later on in the episode as well. So the other thing that I'm, I've done the last two years is Inktober. And I'm going to be talking a lot about Inktober as we get closer to October. So I just wanted to mention it now because I've started thinking about it. And I really, for me, it makes it less stressful. You know, the prompts start out. So I, I'll maybe explain what Inktober is first. So the whole point in Inktober is that 
you draw something every day for the month of October. So 31 drawings for the month. Now, the way it typically works is Jake Parker, who created this endeavor, uh, the intent is to try and get yourself to draw, in, in this case, with ink, although I've done it digitally for the last two years. The intent is really, you know, be creative every day and, you know, do it in ink. Jake releases in September a list of prompts. So these are words, a word attributed to each day that helps you to develop an idea. And you can go off and create your own theme or you don't have to use the prompts at all. It doesn't matter. It's fairly flexible that way. But the whole point is you're generating this large creative chunk of work through the month of October. And so the last two years I've used the prompts. I've done it digitally. I post it every day. I may miss a day but then I make up to, so I've done 31 images both years, and I, I, I think it's been great for me. It really has forced me out of realism and into areas I never thought I would find. So I'm really looking forward to it again this year. And when I say I've started planning, I don't know what the prompts are yet. Nobody knows, except maybe Jake. Um, but I've started thinking about what do I do this year? Do I do the same thing I've done where it's digital and it's one piece per day? Do I do analog? Do I actually ink pieces? Because I do work with ink, but do I do an actual physical inked piece every day? Or do I do what people like Joe Brown, uh, who was on the podcast uh, known as Burnoid, and, and do I do a, a large piece that's a compilation of uh, single pieces each day. And Jake's done that as well with his character sets. I just don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm thinking through this now. I'm trying to understand what I'm going to do such that when the prompts hit, I have a clear idea of at least how I'm going to approach this. Now, I was on a, a call, or not a call, a Discord kind of discussion this past weekend about Inktober, and they were looking for ideas about how to engage the community before, during, and after. So I think there's going to be more around Inktober. I don't have any knowledge, but the fact that they're going out and reaching out to the community to understand what people like and don't like, what would they benefit from, means I think there's going to be more around this Inktober than previous years. And I'm encouraged by that. It doesn't really impact what I'm going to do, but it may. It may have, I don't think it's going to have a negative impact, but it'll, I'm sure, have some degree of a positive impact. And so I've started thinking about that. And this is one of those things that I, I really just enjoy doing every year. I start thinking about it now because it's a, it's a big thing, right? Uh, drawing something every day for a month. And when I talked earlier about uh, timing, the cool thing is I could do this in October and then I could order one of the sketchbooks from the sketchbook project and then do that afterwards. And so I think the timing works out really cool, especially for the winter months, to have these kind of opportunities to, to play with these projects. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think this could be fun. So I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to probably have some guests coming on before and during October or Inktober to talk about it. So this won't be the last, but I just thought I would mention it now if you're trying to look forward and uh, thinking about things. Maybe you want to brush up on your inking skills. Inktober is such a fun event that I would recommend anyone try it, whether it's digital or analog, it's fantastic. So I've been playing with a uh, pencil extender and uh, a new pencil. So I bought this pencil extender. It's like a brass cylinder with a, um, a, uh, a nut on the end, and you slide a pencil inside it, and then you tighten the nut, and it holds it together. 
And so the cool thing with this brass extender or this holder is that it has a fixed length, right? And it's, a, it's got a fixed weight. And so if you're working with a traditional wooden pencil, as that pencil gets smaller, your writing instrument isn't going to change size. And that's why I typically draw with mechanical, because mechanical pencils don't change size. And the weight is a marginal difference as you're using up the lead. So I like that consistency of feel. So I ordered this from Elegant Utility, and I'll include a link in the show notes. I think the weight is great. It feels robust. It feels like it's going to outlast me. It's a wonderful piece to hold in your hand. And so I've used that with a new pencil I bought, which is the Tombow 6B. And I use that because I'm trying this, I should say, because I was there's a, an artist, Alan Williams, that I follow on Instagram. And he draws with a lot of 6B. And I was thinking, that's a really interesting challenge. And just, you know, if you haven't played with pencils, like 6B is quite a dark pencil. Like you, you, if you're drawing normally, you're in like an HB, maybe 2B, maybe 4B, but, you know, not a lot of people venture darker than that. And sometimes you're into the lighter stuff. So you're going H, 2H, which gets, you know, much harder and much lighter. I usually draw now with a 2B and I will use a 2H, maybe an HB, so I will get a little bit lighter, but typically 2B. So working with a 6B is, is really an interesting challenge, trying to get those really light shades with such a dark pencil. And uh, it's, I'm struggling with it, but I'm challenging myself to try and do this a little bit more. You know, two reasons. I want to play with real pencils again, this idea of a wooden casing and a graphite center versus mechanical. I I also bought this uh, KUM is the name of the the uh, the sharpener, and it's interesting. You can find it on Amazon, and it has two holes in it. So one sharpens the wooden casing, and the other sharpens the graphite, and so it provides a beautiful tip. And so. That coupled with the Tombow 6B and this pencil extender is just a different drawing experience. And so I just, I love graphite so much. And when I see Alan Williams drawing with this stuff, it's like, man, this is cool. Uh, so I'll provide links to this to the Elegant Utility as well. And um, I would encourage you to check it out. I think it's, uh, it's a cool solution for maintaining the length of your pencil as you're drawing. Um, even if the pencil bit gets small, you've got this beautiful brass instrument to use. So uh, I really like it. They do some other cool stuff as well, but I just bought the uh, the pencil extender. And I know there's other kinds you can buy as well, but I just wanted something that felt robust. There's just something about holding that brass piece that just, it feels significant. It feels like you're going to draw something that is going to change the world. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> it feels pretty cool. And uh, so I really enjoy using that. So that's been, that's been fun. I um, I'll maybe post some works as I get more into it. Right now, I'm just working with basic shapes and just trying to get a feel for it. I've not, as I say, worked with this just a 6B before, so that's really, uh, it's been fun. So I joined a local plein air group, uh, and I just mentioned this because I think in this, up, in this time, in trying to be socially distant, reaching out and finding these groups is always good. We had a Zoom meeting, which was, um, I guess this group had met in person regularly through the summer in the past. I've never been part of it. But we did a Zoom meeting where people showed their work. So I talked about some recent pieces I did, and I saw some of their work, and I thought it was great. It was, it's local people, and you know maybe there's an opportunity for us to chat in the future, but it's all around plein air, right? This idea of going outside and creating pieces outside. And many people are working from photos just because of the challenges with everything that's going on. 
Uh, some people are doing it just in the back garden, which is kind of cool as well, but just to feel that the creativity is still moving forward and people are still feeling this need to, to draw and to paint. is just, it's cool to be around that. So I would encourage you to try and reach out in your community through Facebook. I'm not a big, huge fan of Facebook, but I don't know where else you can find these groups in a way that reflects kind of the community and the people around you. Uh, because then maybe at some point you want to connect with these people in person in some socially distanced way. And so it's been uh, it's been cool. I'm going to be probably joining the group on an ad hoc basis moving forward, and I really enjoyed connecting with those artists. So as part of that, I've been uh, exploring kind of different plein air ex- locations, and uh, we have some beautiful areas where I live in the Ottawa Valley in Canada. And I was up at a place called Eagle's Nest Lookout, and I'll provide a link to this uh, lookout in the show notes. But it is. Um, it's considered a, a sacred site by the Algonquin uh, Anishinaabe community, and it's believed that you know you'll find spiritual guidance where the eagle is. So I didn't, we didn't see any eagles, but uh, it was just beautiful. These rocks overhanging the valley. So I'm not a big heights person, so it was a bit scary for me looking over the ledge. It feels like the whole r- world's rotating, and uh, you know. But it, it was really cool being up there. And uh, while we didn't see any eagles, it was still quite inspirational. And I was thinking, I got to get back up here with an easel or, um, you know, my gurney easel and some paint and some pencils and uh, spend a couple hours and just uh, draw. And it's cool because the way the sun hits that I could probably get in the shade most of the day as well, or at least most of the morning. And so, you know, I encourage you to think about where in your area uh, can you explore it? I mean, this location is about 40 minutes from where I am. It's only about, I think, a two and a half kilometer hike. And uh, it was uh, it was pretty, I you know, I've been here my whole life and I've never been on this trail. And I'm sure there's trails around you, locations near you that you've never been to. And I think it's an opportunity to kind of leverage getting out, taking a, a, a drawing pad, taking an easel, taking some of your creative supplies. And just go sit out somewhere and draw and enjoy the community, enjoy these locations. And, uh, you know, I used an app called All Trails to find this. You know, it's All Trails works all over the world. And so it was a great opportunity to kind of see what the photos look like. And uh, I'm probably going to go back in the fall when the the leaves are uh, changing color. As I say, I I found it to be an inspirational place to visit. And uh, I I just want to go back and try and capture that. So that'll be something I'll be doing coming up in the uh, in the fall for sure. So, yeah, you probably saw UFOs in the title. Uh, I thought I would talk about this. It, it was an interesting story, and I mentioned a couple people had some messaging over Instagram, and I, people, I think, wanted to hear more about it. And it has led into a bit of a creative thing for me, so I thought there was a connection there. So, there, back in the 90s, there was a UFO incident sighting near to where I live. I wasn't living in this exact location at that time, but I was in the area. Uh, so I knew nothing really about it, except when I saw it on Unsolved Mysteries. And so there was an episode, I forget, 93 maybe, Unsolved Mysteries, I'll link to the to the show, about this incident. And it didn't key until, you know, we'd been living here for maybe seven or eight years that we were pretty close to where this happened. In fact, it's about four kilometers, you know, two, two and a half miles from where I am is where this alleged incident happened. 
And this was, uh, the suggestion is that this UFO landed on the ground and there's a video of it. And, you know, helicopters were called in and there was all kinds of activity around this. And, uh, you know, there was UFO researchers were called in and, uh, you know, there was quite a bit of, of uh, activity around this. And people were saying, you know, it's not a hoax. There's no way it could be a hoax. Other people are saying it's a hoax. I, I think it's a cool little story. And the way this came up is that uh, the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is our lar- one of our large networks here in Canada, is doing a story on this, not to really investigate whether it happened or whether it was a UFO, but more so the impact on the people. Like, you know, when you come forward with things like this, it can have an impact on you as an individual, on your life. Uh, people start, they start looking at you odd, and, and I think that's the, the approach they're, they're focusing on. They're looking at kind of the human component to this. And so I had someone reach out to me just through Facebook. There was a weird connection that we ended up making, but they, I spoke to them on the phone. And they asked a series of questions about the incident and people and, and whether I knew anything and this kind of stuff. And I just never thought I would be <laughs> interviewed about a UFO sighting. And so, and, and I should be clear, like I'm not, I don't, nec- I, I don't believe in UFOs. I think people think UFOs as an alien ships, but in this case, it was an unidentified flying object. It was unclear what it could be. And so I believe in that component, that it was fuzzy enough that we didn't see enough detail. But I'm not a believer um, in aliens visiting us. Uh, I think there is some arrogance to think that there is no other life except us, but I just, I'm not a big believer in it. But I, I think it's cool stories. And, you know, until I see some evidence of it, I, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I just don't believe it's happening at this point. But... uh you know, it, it, it brought me back to a, a different experience I had. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. I think it was two or three years ago. We had uh, gone to church, and there was a man clearing snow. And he started talking openly about, you know, the, the odd ships that are flying around in the region. And, and you know, having seen aliens a couple of times and, you know, having connections with these people and, and you know, it being connected to the military and these ships that don't make any sound and seem to hover and disappear very quickly. And I, you know, this was just before we went to church and, you know, it's just, I was there with my, my, my two daughters and my wife and um, it's weird having this experience and then going to church and you can't talk about it. <laughs> you got to be quiet. Um, so as soon as we got back in the car, we talked about it. And then as soon as I got home, I wrote it all down. And what I did is, after having talked to this this reporter who was investigating things, I pulled out that document I had written, and I read it over and I read it over again and again, and I started to feel, see these images, right? And it started to take me on this little creative journey. And so now that I'm drawing on a regular basis, uh, that's how I'm kind of putting down some memories and some thoughts. And so it inspired this whole bunch of sketches. I haven't posted any, but uh, it's just memories in my mind and interpretations of what he was saying. And I'm just sharing this because, you know, it's a pretty cool story. But just being open, you know, being open to these conversations, being open to these experiences, being present, being immersed when they happen, and just being curious. Like, I, I do regret not asking him more questions, right? Like, I... I should have gone deeper into this. And, 
you know, being a creative now, I'm thinking, I just, I, I want to reach out and I want to find out more, right? And so when people have conversations with you, you know, make that effort to be curious, to, to, to be open to different ideas and to be present and investigate and think about that as, as a creative. Is that going to inspire your next piece? Is that going to influence something you're already working on? Because when I went through that story and read it again while I had my iPad in front of me, I had all these crazy ideas that I started sketching out. And it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a book out of this or maybe there's at least a little comic or something. But I was really, uh, you get into that moment. And so I, I don't think it necessarily has to be a UFO sighting that inspires you. It could be somebody's trip or an odd, odd incident that happened on the way to the grocery store or whatever the case. Um, but, you know, these can inspire these wonderful ideas. And I think we have an opportunity here as creatives to reach out and embrace them and then build on this. And uh, we could make some wonderfully intense, wonderfully cool things. And so I just thought I'd share that story. Um, I, I've heard from other people that they've seen odd things in the area as well. So I don't know what it is. I've not seen anything weird. Uh, I, I am from Earth. And, um, but I'm, I'm open to hearing these stories. I think it's wonderful that people are talking about this. And, you know, for the most part, people feel that they can talk about it in a way that um, uh, is open and, and people are welcoming. And I think that's what the CBC is trying to un uncover here is, is, you know, how were these people kind of ridiculed in that uh, for having talked about what they had seen? And whether it was a hoax or it wasn't, it had an impact. And um, I'm trying to be positive with kind of the offshoot of the story, because I think the person I was speaking to in retelling his story was somehow connected to the same event. So uh, I didn't find that until quite a bit later, but it's, it's, it's interesting. So I thought I'd share that with you. So if you've been following my Instagram and you saw that story, now you have more of the story. <laughs> and uh, I hope that provides a bit of clarity. So to end this episode, I just thought I would highlight a few Instagram accounts that have uh, inspired and motivated me over the last couple of weeks. And the first I, I'll mention is Alan Williams. Uh, he is I underscore just draw on Instagram. And I, you know, he's just a wonderful pencil artist. He does these live draws that are just incredible to watch. He's worked on uh, Pan's Labyrinth and I'm sure a whack of other things. He does these kind of surreal, just beautiful drawings. Uh, he also works with oils and that as well, but I just love his graphite work. And so he continues to inspire me in everything that he's doing. Uh, he's such a nice guy. Listening to him talk on um, with his wife on their uh, on the Instagram live is just it's cool. So check him out for sure. The other is a, a local artist, Meek Michelle. She does these beautiful murals, these large, wonderful murals involving nature and kind of bringing nature to life in these brand new ways. I would recommend checking out her work. It is just incredible. I'm just blown away by what she can do uh, on such a large. Uh, canvas and um, it works just wonderful so please check that out uh, the other is brian who goes as bre jans on um, on instagram he's an urban sketcher but he has this uh, this challenge where he posts a photo and asks you to draw it in your style and so many people are doing this i've been inspired to do it i haven't done it yet but he had uh, an old cottage and a car and, you know, kind of a car under a carport, an old raggedy thing. And so 
I'm just, I'm really inspired by what he's trying to do and motivating people and drawing it in your own style. And you use whatever hashtag is tied to that. So there's like, you know, draw, you know, the hashtag is draw Brian's car and everybody uses that. Then you're kind of pooled together. And uh, I just think it's, uh, it's incredible. Um, so if you're looking for that kind of motivation, and it's a really cool idea. And uh, he does some incredible work as well. So the other, the last two are uh, Cherish Art, um, who's an artist and teacher. She has, she has this wonderful, soft kind of imagery, this playful look to what she's done. Um, it's, you know, it's something you would see kind of out of a kid's storybook. And if you scroll back a little bit, uh, I'm going to say like 20, 30 images, you'll see these blueberries that she did. And they are just incredible. They, I think they're the best kind of rendering I've ever seen. And just a beautiful mix of colors. She teaches here in Ottawa. I don't know her personally, but I just, I follow her. And I just think that uh, when I look at, you know, dabbling into watercolor, she's one of the people I look to because you can just, you, you can see how soft everything is. And uh, I just love the work that she's doing. And the last is uh, Young Lilac. And I, I mention her because you can see how much over the, a short period of time her work has evolved and changed. And I just love how she's challenging herself. I love her. She's done a lot of ink and she's done a lot of watercolor as well. You could see that she has some influence or she's been influenced by people like Miriam Tilson, who was on the podcast, but she's kind of developing her own style. And the intricacy in her work is just incredible. And I love seeing these artists that are challenging themselves. And then you can see over time how their work evolves. And I just appreciate all the effort that all of you are putting into your work and trying to challenge yourself, be productive in that you're trying new work and trying new things and not thinking that that piece you're working on is going to be the perfect piece, but just putting that that brush, that pencil, that ink, that colored pencil to the paper and just, and just doing, just laying down your using your skill and laying down your creative work onto uh, paper so that we can all see it and that we can all share in that and the more you do that the more opportunity you have to tap in what you can really pull out of yourself and uh, to see her doing this and see the others doing this it's uh, it's incredible to see it evolve so quickly over time so please put that time aside protect your time and uh, take that opportunity to be creative and to spend time with your creative self and keep working on these wonderful pieces. And, you know, make sure that you tag me so that I can see some of your work because uh, I just I just love this stuff. I really, um, you inspire me so much in the work that you do and I don't want you to stop. So show notes, including links to everything I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 32. You can find links to all my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm, including my Instagram, which is Mike underscore Hendley, where I post all my art. So as I mentioned, you can tag me or you can follow me so I can see what you've created recently. And until next time, be kind to one another and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod. Kevin McLeod.